Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Unwritten Rule fans, you can catch us every Monday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Believe Unwritten and enjoy the show. On today's episode of The Unwritten Rule, we are going to uh, give more of our thoughts on uh, Durf leaving for Arizona. We're gonna ju- we're just going to summarize some stuff. I know Kenny and Peyton did a show by themselves, uh, just a, an initial reaction, but we've obviously got some comments from Drink to talk about, something from Dennis as well. Uh, Peyton will have a few candidates he was looking at, and just kind of we'll just give our final thoughts, uh, you know, or not final thoughts, but I guess some more thoughts, uh, you know, re- you know, about this whole situation and what we, what we think, what it should mean for Mizzou going forward, how worried all that stuff, um, sort through the noise as they say. So we'll do that. Then we're going to recap the Tennessee game, uh, including the drink F word, uh, big, big, big swearing podcast coming up because we're quoting, you know? Uh, so we had, we have that. We'll talk about Mizzou keeping it close against Tennessee, um, all that stuff. And then preview the Arkansas game before we shift to quick hits. It's a, um, it's a two-man show for the whole show, so Peyton and I are starting uh, with the Mizzou segment, and then Kenny and Peyton did quick hits because both Kenny and I were traveling today on Thursday when when we're recording this, so that's why you don't have all three of us together. But we'll be back uh, as, a, as a trio, we promise. But yeah, great show. Um, we'll talk about that. We also got some uh, Mizzou players in the NFL to uh, to just dive into and, and touch on. But yeah, Kenny and Peyton will have quick hits to finish the show. Me and Peyton will have the main part, of course, starting with Desiree Reed Francois. We'll talk about that situation a little bit more. Uh, before we dive in, quick word from the sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to minute odds, stats, trends, and news, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs, to March Madness, with live in game betting and contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime and anywhere from your desktop or mobile device. So head to bet online today to become part of the team. And remember to use our promo code believe B L E A V believe for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's almost March madness. It's a huge time for college basketball bets. We, we love our mid major Mondays, which we'll have for Monday's show, but yeah, go to bet online. The game starts there and the unwritten rule starts right now. Attention, everybody stop what you're doing. It's time for The Unwritten Rule, a Mizzou sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Network, alongside Peyton Haverman and Kenny Van Doren. Here is your host, Jack Knowlton. Welcome back to The Unwritten Rule. Today is Friday, February 23rd, and it's only uh, Peyton and myself right now. We'll have Kenny. I explained in the intro, we've got the the two-man show for the entire show, so it'll be me and Peyton doing the Mizzou stuff, and then Kenny's going to join you for quick hits. We had a bunch of travel, so that's how we had to spider out the show. But Peyton, you and Kenny uh, did a a breaking news show, I guess, so to speak, on Desiree Reed-Francois leaving for Arizona. I think, you know, with with a couple days to process that that's where we wanted to start. Just touch on a, a couple more things that have come out since then. Just more of our thoughts. I know Gabe has had great coverage of it over on Power Mizzou, and he's he's made uh, some of those thoughts public and whatnot, and and some not. So go subscribe to that if you want his takes. But you know, I know we're both very plugged into this. I wanted to share stuff because I was unavailable to dive onto that show and and uh, you know be mad or upset or confused when that news broke. But 
Um, let's start, I think, with with the comments we saw uh, from drinking Dennis Gates, you know, as this kind of came out, because those those happened after we talked about it last time. Um, I think there was a, a lot of people reading into this this Drinkwitz tweet about Desiree Reed Francois leaving. Uh, he said, thank you, uh, Desiree Reed Francois, for elevating Mizzou athletics. But Mizzou's future is bright and the best is ahead. Um, it, it's interesting. I think that tweet, you know, kind of validates, if you will, or uh, at least plays into maybe the narrative that there maybe was some friction there between and some of the coaches that either weren't hired by her there when she came in already. Um, it, it was just interesting wording, wouldn't you say? I, I think I think that's that's a fair assessment of, of that drink tweet and his thoughts on, on Desiree being gone. It was, especially when you think of like, obviously it's not apples to apples, this comparison, but like I think back to drinks, like Blake Baker, farewell. Like he gave Blake Baker a separate tweet with a farewell and then the tweet after tweeted the search for the next leader of the death row defense starts now and all that didn't do that with uh desiree he just kind of went straight into uh thanks desiree but we'll be fine um is basically what that tweet is um and lord knows like what really went on behind the scenes the only people that know will never say what really went down but there is enough smoke behind the 2022 extension that Drink got, maybe Desiree not being fully behind it. All of that kind of stuff, you know, it, it's it's rumors that are out there, you know, about these two not getting along. And obviously, I don't want it to sound like Drinkwitz was trying to force Desiree out. That absolutely did not happen. There's no reason to believe that happened. But... um. It certainly could have played into Desiree's decision to leave. Uh, you pair that with the board overstepping numerous times, you know, with the facilities plan. Apparently there was some strife around that decision. Um, only the north end zone improvements being approved right away. Desiree might have, especially when you look at the the buyout situation now, um, Desiree just, you can kind of tell, was just like, All right, maybe this is a worse job, but. I, I just want to kind of get out of here. Yeah. And that's a good development too. In the last couple of days was that I think they, that Arizona came out and said donors were going to uh, match or pay most of the buyout. I think it was like 1.5 million or something of Desiree's buyout. Yeah. And then also elevate her contract to what she had at Mizzou. Yes, but it's very tricky because Arizona, if you don't know, is broke. Right. Um, they're like right. way in debt right now. So I mean, it's a, they're not footing the entire buyout, Arizona. But, but for one, they're having donors have to pay part of it. That I don't know, like if that's super typical um, of have of of like an AD hire. You would typically think the athletic department or the university would put most of, if not all, that bill. But the donors are picking up one point five of it. The the buyout, Eli Hoff for the Post Dispatch had a good breakdown of this. So go look at his his article on it though from what i understand i mean there's still like a one million dollar balance that needs to be paid back to mizzou and the 1.5 million from the donors uh at arizona came with the understanding that desiree would try to reduce or completely eliminate the buyout from mizzou um so it's very weird now because there's a million dollars 
Arizona has put up 1.5 million, although apparently they don't even really want to use that 1.5 million. But Desiree right now would be footing the bill for the other a million. So there might, there's going to probably be some battle over that. I would, I mean, you wouldn't think Mizzou probably won't just staunchly be like, no, we need the rest of the money just because that could deter like candidates, stuff like that. Just, it's a very messy situation, but there will probably be some kind of settlement around it. Um, but it's just a very weird situation. It just lends even more credence that Desiree just simply was kind of looking to get, get out of Missouri. Missouri didn't want to really deal with the board, it seemed like. Um, it is what it is. I don't really see how you can look at the job she took and what has been happening with the buyout. They can't even put her entire buyout and say that Arizona is not a step down as is right now. Um, but we'll see what happens going into the future with that. Yeah. Messy is the, probably the perfect word to describe it, I think. And, you know, I'll just throw my two cents in cause I couldn't join you and Kenny when you guys initially talked about it. Like to me, and I think you kind of already said this, it seems like it was just a culmination of a lot of things. Obviously that advisory board that was made to oversee her, that was what a lot of people turned to immediately just because that was the most recent thing that happened. I think it was, you know, that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back from, you know, everything we've been hearing and that's been coming out, whether it's not great relationships with the coaches, the drink wits extension, um, the BOC in general, and then that advisory board, all that stuff kind of just came together. And like you said, uh, you know, led her to wanting to take, yeah, job. It's certainly a, a step down um, school in terms of where Arizona is financially. You're right. I think that's a, that's a very um, safe thing to say. Uh, before we go to what Dennis said, I'm, I'm curious, just like one, your general, like if you have any other general thoughts that, that have maybe changed or developed since, you know, you and Kenny first talked about it. Um, but also like the, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on the, I think a lot of the Mizzou fans takes were, you know, some people, at least some people were accusing other Mizzou fans of being like, you guys are freaking out. This isn't the end of the world. You know, they, there's still, um, a lot of good within this athletic department, a lot of good on the field, certainly in the, in the biggest sport on campus and in football, um, you know, should Mizzou fans be maybe as worried as some are? I think, I think there's like a weird mix where it's like, you have a right, like it, you should be worried or concerned about how this kind of ended and how this relationship kind of ended. But in terms of the immediate future, there's still a lot of positives there. I feel like. I mean, I wouldn't say the sky is falling. I kind of felt like that when it first happened because it just kind of struck me as, oh, my God, we just let our AD get poached by a a job that's just way worse right now in Arizona. It is way there. I know we had a YouTube comment that said Missouri was not the better job. Missouri is far and away a better job than Arizona right now. Arizona is in debt. They're in the Big 12, which is not where you want to be right now in college athletics in terms of making money. I mean, if you're not in the SEC or Big Ten, the future, it can be very uncertain for your conference right now. Um, and I, Arizona had has had a lot of momentum in football itself. They're a good basketball program, but the moneymaker is football. And Arizona just lost their head coach to Washington, who – Yes, it's a better job, I would say, Washington, but it's not like a out-and-out blue blood you're getting poached by. Mizzou has not had that happen yet. 
we'll see what happens after this year. I mean, ne- you can never say never, but it, it just seems like Missouri is definitely the better job right now. But it just seems more like Desiree was wanting out. Um, and you can look at that a couple different ways. I think it's pretty impossible to say that the Board of Curators didn't overstep maybe a little bit with this advisory committee and whatnot. But you also have to, like, they've done it before, and they've been proven right. I mean, they stu- mm-hmm. they were emphatic that Drinkwitz was their guy. I mean, Drinkwitz has been kind of more of, like, the Board of Curators uh, head coach than an AD head coach. Uh, because I mean, he's about to be on his third AD at the school, um, right. but and that wound up paying off this past year. And the job is way more attractive than it was when Desiree was hired. Um, some of that work can be attributed to to Desiree. Others, other parts of it can't. But I mean, now you're looking at a school that is in the SEC. They're safely secured in probably the premier con- uh, conference in the entire college landscape uh the football team has taken a huge step up and that's obviously the program you'd really want basketball took a step back this year but i mean you've still got to look at the long term it's probably brighter than a lot of other places and they just that that 62 million dollar donation is not going anywhere um so and there's athletic facilities plans in place we'll see what happens with those so it's a. It, it's still a, should be a good job. They should be able to get a number of good candidates. Well, that's a good segue because I know you you've been thinking about that. Who is who is on your uh, Mizzou AD candidate hot board now moving forward? Before we hit on what what kind of Dennis said and where he kind of stands with all this. All right. Let me preface this with I have no no insight into the athletic director world. I don't know who's a rising star. I don't know who's not. And quite frankly, I would be wasting my time if I myself tried to compile a whole list. Um, I did want to mention this was a very good list from Ben Arnett, who's who works at KOMU. Um, he compiled a list with names uh, that have Missouri ties to the Mizzou AD search. Uh, Doug Gillen, the AD at App State right now, he used to be the deputy AD at Mizzou when Mizzou entered the SEC. He hired Drinkwitz at App State, so there's some familiarity there. Um, Sarah Baumgartner, she's a lead fundraiser at, she was a lead uh, fundraiser at Mizzou. Uh, she has Big Ten experience, deputy as the deputy AD at Rutgers, so that's a good name to watch. Mark Allnut, he he's the athletic director um, at Buffalo now. He used to play football at Mizzou. He worked at Mizzou in the AD. Laird Veach, he's the one I believe has the most buzz. He's the AD at Memphis. Uh, you, if you want to look at kind of maybe what you want in a candidate for this job, he kind of matches it. Very up with it in the NIL world from what people are saying. Um, obviously, Memphis is a tough, tougher job than you would think. Um, and they have had a good amount of athletic success. Um, and he does have uh, Mizzou ties. Ren Baker, he's uh, West Virginia's AD. Would he leave right now? I'm not sure, just because he hasn't been at West Virginia too long. He's going to have the opportunity to hire his own basketball coach, and that's a rare job where basketball is kind of more important um, than, mm-hmm. than football. 
I wouldn't say West Virginia is a better job than Mizzou, but it may not be enough to really want to leave if you're Ren Baker right now. Um, that's, I mean, Carroll at Iowa State is another name I saw people mentioning. Um, we're going to, uh, we'll probably get some names that start to leak out very soon. Uh, Beach, I know, is the one that people have really been kind of glomming on to. Yeah, all good names. I mean, I, I, I'm not I'm not super familiar in the AD games, so thank you to Ben, I guess, for for giving at least a explanation of some people with some Mizzou ties that they maybe will look at. But you know, you mentioned the board of curators; like we know how involved they are. They're going to be on this. Moonshoy will be on this uh, to figure it out. So yeah, like we'll we'll have an eye on on who um, maybe will. Are you is your is your lead guy? If you're picking one from that list, is it is it the Memphis guy? You think that that you'd be the, the most happy about? Maybe realistically, I, since they couldn't get Baker. Yeah, no, I would. I would probably say Beach is probably the best one from just his list, uh, Ben Arnett's list. The one that intrigues me the most uh, is Iowa State's AD, just because I mean, he, Iowa State is a very, very tough job. Um, there have been years where Iowa State has just been a total disaster. I mean, you look at where Iowa State is now. They're very stable in football under Matt Campbell. That is worlds better than what you could say about Iowa State for the longest time. Uh, he hired Otzelberger, T.J. Otzelberger there, and T.J. Otzelberger is one of the premier head coaches in the country. I mean, he's really turned yeah. – he turned Iowa State from a 2-22 and program into a tournament team the next year. So um, that's one I would definitely want uh, for various – yeah. Yeah. So some good candidates like we'll we'll keep track of of who kind of trickles out in terms of names and who maybe kind of emerges because you're right. I don't think it'll be too long considering. Um, also, I think I said his name was Jamie Carroll. His name is Jamie Pollard at Iowa State. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Good. So I good might correction. have said the wrong name. I don't I think yeah. I said I think Jamie you did. I, I remember Carroll, but it's Pollard. Yeah, Jamie so Pollard. It's Jamie Pollard word so yeah um yeah so we'll keep we'll keep an eye on him we'll keep an eye on, on veach if, if that kind of emerges but just other names i'm sure it won't be long before we're talking about uh whoever whoever emerges to take uh durf's place let's touch on dennis and what he said because i think his situation is particularly interesting and i, I don't think this is a not obvious thing that i'm gonna say um you can go natalie jones has a video of it uh on twitter works for abc 17 he talked for about two minutes and 30 seconds about it um just kind of again congratulating her for what you know she's done obviously it was going to be an answer that was more um i guess desiree friendly maybe than Drinkwitz, considering uh she hired dennis and and you know what Den supported him and what he's done with the with the men's basketball program but Peyton I think the obvious thing here and this is a good segue right before we dive into basketball for Dennis obviously if you have any thoughts on what he said specifically about Desiree go for it but I think the obvious thing here is now going into year three when you know he's already the seat's getting warm with what's happened this season it's it's kind of you know becoming a shove in maybe the wrong direction. If you're Dennis Gates now where you don't have your AD in anymore going into a year, that's, that's really crucial after what happened this season. Yeah, no, I don't think anyone got more affected by that move than Dennis Gates, like in terms of head coaches, because like you said, he was the premier hire uh, for Desiree. I mean, he was the uh, money sport hire for Desiree in her time here. 
so now he, he's going to have a guy that is going to come in and maybe you look at the expectations like next year if Dennis Gates had improved to like maybe a 500 team that probably would have been enough to keep him uh, under Desiree. But now under a new AD, I don't really know. We don't know who's in place. Maybe they really want to get their own guy in there. We don't really know right now. So I think it definitely does not bode. It doesn't bode poorly for Dennis Gates, but it certainly does not help him next year. Yeah, it doesn't move the needle in the right direction from a uh, hot a hot seat standpoint. Yeah. Job security standpoint. Um, yeah. So that's, that's definitely, I think the most interesting development to watch for uh, with, with this moving forward, but yeah, we'll have an eye on, on who kind of uh, emerges as some candidates and obviously who they end up bringing in uh, since we're on Mr. Gates and the Mizzou men's basketball team, Peyton will segue. Let's talk Tennessee 72 Mizzou 67 and Peyton. The Tigers fucking suck still. To quote the words of Dennis Gates, he was talking in particulars of the of their free throw shooting. I think that's the best place to start. Um, and that feels a little harsh to say, honestly, after um, you know, keeping it close against a oh, Tennessee team. No, it, it doesn't. You're right. You're right. I won't let's not let him off the hook. But Peyton, Mizzou has now lost their last two games by a combined eight points. Despite that, they are still over in sec play dennis gates is saying expletives in press conferences it's all it's all kicking off now everything's everything's fully unraveling uh if you will but let's let's touch on the negatives quick Peyton. before i think you know like we did against old miss uh we found some of the positives i think there's maybe some defined here uh but what were your takes just on this game i i wrote down a couple notes mizzou force 15 tennessee turnovers dalton connect uh, didn't hit his first field goal until like seven minutes in still finished with 17 and 10 points, but did an all right job on him. I know there was only like one point scored in the first five minutes, uh, but ultimately Mizzou fell and couldn't get it done uh, against a very good Tennessee team. Yeah. If you can believe it, they lost again uh, after leading in the second half. They sure, they sure do like to do that. Um, uh, I don't know where to start really. I mean, they, People are going to joke about how ugly the first, like, half of the first half was, but that was what Mizzou needed to do. They totally took Tennessee out of their element. Uh, I thought that was a very, very good approach for them. Um, Sean East, again, he's very good. He's been very good this year. Um, Not sure what happened with some of the free throws he had in the second half, but I mean, he he's still. I mean, he was the spark plug. He kind of got that run going for them in the first half. It was just the same old song and dance, kind of. Uh, other than they're starting to play a little better than they did in a lot of those games. Like you can tell, they're actually earning some of the leads they're they're building. Um, I I do like that. Dennis has basically said, "I'm done with Kurt Lewis. I'm done with Connor Vanover. I'm pretty much done with Ke- uh, Jesus Carolero." guys that just don't have a future on this team really uh, and just aren't very good. Um, Ever since they moved to an eight or nine man rotation every night, I mean, they've looked a lot better. I mean, and that's with Tamar Bates kind of playing a pretty poor few games here. He did not play very well in this one. He went like three for 12. He had some bad turnovers. Um, Overall, it's still the exact same. I mean, 
they were up multiple possessions in the second half again. And I just, I, you could tell like right when that 13 hit minute mark hit and connect made one tough shot. I was like, here it is. That's the one that's like, you can just tell when they shut down, like they saw that shot go in and went, Oh, here we go again. Instead of, okay, let's get it back. That's where the yeah. d- deficiency has been this year. Yeah, I agree. I think I remember the exact connect shot you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like your take on the rotation. I think that's that's improved this team. It's just, yeah, it's just not enough talent there to to win games in this league, plain and simple. It just it just has to it has to get better. And then it's not helped with, you know, I think we should talk about this trend, Peyton, with with Tamar Bates in particular. I mean, what's kind of gotten into him? I'd say it's uh three games now. He had seven against Tennessee, 12 in the game prior and 11 before that, you know, they kept it close without him scoring 35 points. And, you know, maybe you could argue that this offense finds a little bit more balance when they don't just feed him every time and and they're losing by 20, but he's scoring 20 to 30 points or whatever. But, you know, it's got to find some sort of happy medium if they want to win games where he's, he needs to be, he needs to be scoring more and he's been, he's been struggling. Just too wild with the ball at times. Like it's almost like they really have tried to turn him into just kind of a bit of a like I don't know the exact term I would maybe a little more efficient, but a little less like skilled, like driving to the lane, DeAndre Colston. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean he tries to just do some of the stuff Colston would do, but like he's too wild with the ball. It just doesn't feel like he has I don't really know like it just he tries to drive in and it more often than not leads to a really ugly shot or he's just getting stripped or losing the ball it's just he kind of needs to go back to I think more more jumpers honestly I don't think he needs to be like crashing just trying to slash his way all the way to the basket yeah doing too much is perhaps the the phrase you're looking for um yeah dennis like i said at the end after the game said we're fucking terrible at getting to the free throw line there were 15 for 21 uh in that game but i think they still rank like it's like 10th in the sec and in, in free throw percentage or or like free throw rate i mean uh i think it's, i think it's dead line. last is honest. it last now i would be really shocked if they're not dead last in the league at that i mean they yeah, never I, get to the line yeah, they struggled. They they did shoot 21 in this game, but only made 15 of them, which is uh, pretty inexcusable. Um, Sean East went seven for 11. I watched him miss like, I think he missed four straight at one point or three straight late on in the game. That did not help them uh, at all. But yeah, there's just, you know, it's hard to get kind of excited about any sort of momentum, even when they're keeping games close. Um, Jordan you know, Butler, they, I thought, looked good enough again. I was... I was going to touch on them. I mean, Ant and Jordan Butler, they're getting a little bit more extended minutes. Um, yeah. Butler started again. He did foul out. He didn't, he didn't take a shot, but um, he had two blocks. He, he just got a lot of fouls really quickly. I mean, it's what's going to happen with the freshmen. You know, they yeah. sometimes are erratic, especially a big, when you're dealing with the size. Better at, uh, guarding smaller guys, which is something that is valuable considering you get switched every other second. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess a good, a good point. Tennessee's just so big. I mean, Jonas Adu is as good of a big as you're going to get in this, in this league, but 
Uh, yeah, I liked what we saw him from him. Ant Robinson, um, or I like what we're seeing from him in terms of growth. Ant Robinson, six minutes. Um, he was plus five. He hit a three, three rebounds. Um, you know, just baby steps, I guess, for them. Uh, but yeah, not much to still find positive. They play Arkansas next. Uh, that's at 11 uh, a.m. Saturday on ESPN2. That's probably the best chance. That's their best chance to win a game. I mean, those are uh, – I did see this stat. Mizzou still has a uh, higher point differential, I think, than Arkansas and Vanderbilt, even though they have not won a game. <laughs> yeah. They play well, Ole Miss um, at home, too. That's winnable. Um, but, yeah, they have five bullets left in the cylinder. I mean, they got to find one here. Got to hit one of them to keep Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt 2018-19. I think every Mizzou fan knows that stat now. That's the last team that's gone winless. Uh, this was cool. Ben Sternberg and Kobe Brown were back. Um, not sure so they were sorry, too happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we get touch on the show. Friend of the show, Ben Sternberg. Yep. Kobe, I wish he had eligibility left. but He did. He did. He did. Uh, he just that's maybe, that's maybe a good hypothetical. Good. How much? How much? How many wins does this team have if Kobe Brown plays? If is playing in like is just thrown into this team? Well, if they get Kobe Brown back, they honestly probably are a bit better in the portal because they maybe I kind of think you almost had to have assumed have to assume that the approach in the portal was well. What if Kobe comes back? We need to have a lot of NIL set aside for him. Um, and that probably prohibited them from maybe being a little more aggressive in the portal. I'm totally guessing on this. This is just yeah. what I would think. Um, so they'd probably be considerably better. Yeah, oh, I mean, I agree. I think they'd win. But what, give me a number. Number of SEC wins. Uh, Seven? So what? They played, they're what right now? Oh, in 13? Yes. I would... I would say, honestly, I mean, think about the amount of single-digit losses Mizzou has. Let's let's say Caleb Grill doesn't get hurt because maybe Kobe Brown goes for that dunk that got him injured and not Caleb Grill. Let's say John Tanjay's foot is not amputated. That's probably a seven or eight win SEC team. I'm being, I'm pretty serious. I don't think this team is a couple guys away for, for the record. I think they're pretty far off right now from being tournament level but i mean kobe brown coming back i mean he changes the entire dynamic yeah yeah i agree it's uh, you know we got to talk hypotheticals i got to find something that's not just just dunking on this team consistently um but yeah arkansas next up and then uh trent pierce should be back for that game we've mentioned the freshman getting some more run um he got a procedure on his ear this just this just feels like Peyton an injury that like happens to you in the Oregon trail like like Trent Pierce is like I don't know he's he's like almost died of dysentery and now he's he's been revived and he's he's back on the trail but they might get him back at least an update to touch on maybe get some more run if he gets some extended minutes yeah I don't know I mean he's about he he's the freshman that has excited me the least probably Um, but I mean maybe Butler and and I mean it's been small incremental but they have shown some growth maybe he can get back in and show some uh I don't know losing seven games right in the middle of SEC conference play certainly hurts certainly um yeah so we'll see that's it's a winnable game Arkansas sucks they're they're in hella turmoil but if they do what they did 
in Mizzou Arena. Now they're in Bud Walton, a, a hostile place to play. So don't have high yep. expectations for that. But we'll see if the Tigers can get it done. Uh, before we kick to quick hits, Peyton, and on a positive note here, I guess, uh, Mizzou in the NFL, a little bit of movement uh, here today, I guess on Thursday when we're recording this. Um, the Eagles, they signed Albert O to a one-year contract, and then Tyree Gillespie signed with the Chiefs. So a couple former Tigers staying in the uh, staying in the NFL. Yeah, Tyree Gillespie, um, the tweet he was on, it was an interesting one. If you see the other name that was signed today, you'll know why. But uh, good for the two of them. There were two guys that played in Knowlton and I's four years there. Um, Tyree Gillespie, I, in particular, I thought was really fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Back there is that box safety type. Um, Alberto, unfortunately, he was sandwiched on a pretty bad offense. But yeah. he, he still had a few touchdowns, I think. He did still have a few touchdowns. He, he did get the, yeah, he got unlucky a little bit when Drew Locke left. But, um, yeah, good for those two. I mean, Tyree Gillespie could win, a, could win a ring with Nick Bolton with the Chiefs. They go for three. Yep. But, um, yeah, congrats to those guys. So we have more Tigers in the NFL to maybe touch on next year for football. Um, with that, we will uh, kick it to Peyton and Kenny. I will be gone because Peyton and Kenny recorded this uh, portion of the show when I was not around. But they'll finish up the show with quick hits. All right. Quick hits time. Um, no Jack Nolton for quick hits recording mm-hmm. while he's traveling back from Tuscaloosa. Uh, maybe a spoiler moving down to Alabama pretty soon. We're excited for that. Uh, but we're doing quick hits. Just Peyton and I are going to start with jerseys of the week. My jersey of the week, Peyton, goes to Michael Porter Jr., I was listening to another podcast, Pardon My Take, and Big Cat, who's a big big figure there at Barstool Sports, said that he was in an airport and ran into a true son recently. And that was Michael Porter Jr., and no one recognized him. Flying uh-huh. coach, uh, maybe some first class, but he was, he was with the normies, not with the athletes. I just don't get it. You see Michael Porter Jr., He's what six foot seven, six he's foot eight. So tall. He, I think he's like, taller than that. You could just see him and like maybe not know who he is, but you could tell he's an athlete. He is one of like the most premier human beings in the world, considering where he is physically. I think you could see him and be like, that guy is probably important. He looks very fit for just walking around an airport. Yeah, he's six ten. Like if okay, I even saw more, him, even high, yeah. Taller, yeah. Like if I saw him, like Ian didn't know who Michael Porter Jr. was, I'd still be like, that guy is like probably a basketball. Player. I mean, he's six ten. You don't see six ten people just on the street. Um, but you have seen Michael Porter Jr. on the street. Is that correct? I have. Um, mm-hmm. Not too long ago, I was just thinking about that. I was like, when I brought, when I was writing this down. Uh, he went into that juice bar that was on 9th Street. I don't even remember what it was called. What? It was a juice bar. Oh, a juice bar. Okay. Yeah, it was a, uh, or I guess you could call it a smoothie shop. Uh, but it was on 9th Street, uh, right past the the side street that Harpo's would have been on. Um, I was driving by and I just yelled, hey, MPJ. And it was uh, summer of 2020. He was back because the bubble hadn't started yet. Um, he had a pretty cool Tesla. I think it was like Matt Black, Matt gray something like that at mm-hmm. the den or the colorado plate uh i got to see him i actually was like driving the same way back down providence because i was delivering food at the time trying to make some money during the summer and he didn't uh he didn't say hi back but i think that's a little bit different because that's his hometown didn't um, he acknowledge you i thought he acknowledged you though kind of like threw a hand up he kind of like looked if you're on youtube like that it gave me a little <laughs> he looked and he kept walking kept walking back it yeah mm-hmm. um 
No, that's cool. Um, if, if I saw MPJ, I'd probably just give him an MIZ. It's the easiest thing. Um, I think he'd give a ZOU back. But um, moving back to another true son, uh, Darius Robinson. Boy, oh boy, he's my jersey. Just continues to rise um, super high in the draft ranks. Uh, this is actually from a YouTube video from ESPN. Um, it's it's Mel Kuyper Jr. and Field Yates breaking down Field Yates's latest mock draft. Field Yates had uh, Darius going, I believe, 28 to the Lions, but Mel Kuyper Jr. dropped some huge, like just a huge nugget about him in there. He said, uh, Darius Robinson is someone I could see being a very big riser in this draft. I could see him going top 10. He mentioned that he has uh, another mock, his another mock draft from him coming, uh, I believe, on the 28th of February or just close to the end of the month. Um, so he may have Darius Robinson going top 10. Kenny, if Darius Robinson goes top 10, what would your reaction be? Um, I'd be pretty upset because this morning I saw um, someone from PFF say that Jonathan Grenard could end up with the Bears opening a spot at the defensive end position on the defensive line for the Houston Texans. And you know who recently saw a playoff game in Houston watching the Texans? Darius Robinson. Yep, I was there for I'm Isaiah thinking, McGuire. But... He was there to see Isaiah McGuire. I'm pretty excited about this. Um, I mean, how could – I just – I know I haven't been around Mizzou that long. I mean, I did not know what Mizzou was until probably like 2013 when I was 13 years old watching the SEC Championship. But at the same time, I think the epitome of Mizzou and a football player is Darius Robinson. Stayed for five years, came back, changed himself, changed himself, became, became a premier defensive end when he was playing defensive tackle the first three first three or four seasons. I just think he speaks it. And we, we could say it too. Back of his jersey, said Mizzou in his final home game. He, he just He's a true son through and through. Yeah, no, I... 100% agree with that. When I when like someone would ask me like who's your favorite player on Mizzou from last year, I'd give them Luther Burden just because kind of have to. He's the most talented player that's probably walked through Mizzou's doors. Probably not ever, but he's up there. Um and he just kind of represented so much change, but sec a very close second would have been Darius Robinson uh just because you got to think about where his story has like what his story has been. He was basically a nothing recruit uh, that came in under Barry Odom. He said on a podcast with uh, Gabe DeArmond and uh, Gerard Hamilton, their Power Mizzou podcast. I mean, he was like he was a big, stocky athlete, but he was ab he was not an athlete yet. Like he was just a big, giant mold of clay or something like that is what he said. But he stayed with Mizzou when Barry Odom got fired. He worked his ass off to become a premier defensive tackle. Uh, Blake Baker said he believed if he came back, he could be a first or second round pick. Darius Robinson bought into that, came back, like you said, made the transition to defensive end seamlessly and was just incredible there. I mean, he was one of the best defensive linemen in the SEC, and uh, nobody deserves it more than him in my mind. If we ever get that chance to talk to him, I want to talk about that photo that I took that uh, Drew Woods mm -hmm. has used a couple times. Um, also, shout out Kevin Peoples. Uh, I think that's that's worth shouting yep. out as well. Uh, Peyton, what is Jack's Jersey of the Week? Jack's Jersey of the Week 
is someone you actually know also. Uh, Quinn Slazinski, a West Virginia Mountaineers basketball player. He is Jack's Jersey of the Week um, because he used to play uh, under, for Iona under uh, Rick Pitino. If, this is a very Rick Pitino-laden uh, quick hits, by the way, just as a heads up. Um, he told a funny story, like, because Rick Pitino, after his comments, after St. John's lost to Seton Hall on Sunday, he's been just the talk of the town for college basketball because he's a showman, basically. Um, but Quinn Slazinski, after a West Virginia game, was asked if he had a fun Rick Pitino story, and he told a great story about how he didn't box out properly at practice once, and Rick Pitino came up to him and said, quote, out of love, um, or out of love, quote, if you don't, if you do that again, I'm going to chop you up into seven pieces and send you back to Detroit, Houston, or wherever the bleep you're from. Um, and then Quinn Slazinski, just at the absurdity of it, just started laughing at it. And then Rick Pitino apparently said, are you laughing at me? And he said, no, that's just who Rick Pitino is. Like, and, and Quinn Slazinski acknowledged that it's like, he didn't mean it or anything. He's, he just, he just, that he's a hyperbolic man. Um, God, Kenny, we, we've done, we've talked about this to death. I really wish Rick Pitino was Mizzou's head coach. If you've been listening to us for a while, uh, we, we heard some rumblings that there was some uh, talks with Rick Pitino not too long ago before Dennis Gates was hired. Um, looking at, I mean, at Quinn Slazinski though, I didn't know this, but he played at Louisville before Iona. So he, he played for, uh, Rick Pitino's former school when Rick Pitino wasn't even there. Uh, the thing about Quinn Slazinski with Peyton saying, I know who he is. Uh, he is from Houston. He went to Westbury Christian before he uh, went to a prep academy to play basketball, um, dated someone I knew. And so when I saw that video, I was like, hey, I know this guy. Then I was like, put two and two together. Yeah, this is someone I know. So, um, I mean, this is a pretty funny story. And I'm glad that we get to talk about Rick Pitino today. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. But uh, yeah, I mean. All right. Sean East. I like no cap and he's the main bird. No, oh, I like no cap and he's the main he's bird. No, I like no cap and he's the main bird. I didn't know how Jack worked. I didn't know it was it's on a loop here. We'll start that again. Hey uh Sean East, what's the next segment? He's the main bird. <laughs> main bird of the week. Uh this is why Jack controls the audio, but uh, my Sean East main bird of the week uh goes to Mizzou football, kind of poking the bird, poking the bear. Uh, whatever the the phrase you want to call it, but tweeting the team, the team, and then the team in a different font and bolded. What are we doing? I, I I just don't get it. I don't get going after Michigan football. Not even going after them, but kind of stealing stuff. I think there was a, a good, um, not necessarily quotes, but like a saying that John Har or Jim Harbaugh had when he was at Stanford, where they were like wanting to keep the traditions, and he was like, "Your traditions mean nothing. You guys suck." Like he was, that's what he said. He was like, "Why are we going to keep doing the same thing?" when we're not winning and then you change the whole culture at Stanford. I don't think the same can be said about Mizzou football because 10 years ago, back-to-back appearances in the SEC championship. I mean, there's history there for the football program. It's not an SEC powerhouse. We know that, but just like saying the team, the team, the team. And then I know Drinkwood started doing the, we are uh, after he breaks every huddle in the, in the locker room before they go on the field we know that's a Penn state thing, but it's just a football thing in general. Um, but Michigan football said intimidated, but never duplicated and posted three uh, photos imitated. from imitated, but not, uh, but never duplicated. 
And uh, three things saying the team from inside the facilities to the practice field. Uh, didn't quote tweet Mizzou, but we know it was a shot back at the Tigers. The Tigers got 191 replies, 154 quotes and retweets, and 638 likes. Not necessarily a uh, ratio, but a, a Michigan fan did get up to 515 uh, likes on a, on a reply. I just don't get it. I, my connection to the bird is uh, the former uh, creator of the, the mini movies went to Kansas. Um, there's the, the connection to the bird. Um, yeah, I don't know why Mizzou tweeted the team, the team, the team. I, first of all, it's not even that cool of a saying to me. I know what it's referencing. It's like when you're in the core, you're saying the core, the core, just all that nonsense doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, but you know what? Michigan stole the block M from, from Mizzou. So I guess we might as well take their saying, back. but no. Truthfully, I it, there was there is a little bit of a like Michigan Mizzou like history too because I mean Trinkwitz was kind of throwing shots at Michigan like before the playoff even started like he was definitely hoping for Michigan in a bowl game I think they wound up getting Ohio State so no big deal there but I don't know man it's still corny for me uh, for Mizzou to tweet the team. It's even more corny for the national champions to be subtweeting Big Bad Mizzou. Um, whatever. Ohio State's going to probably start smacking them around again, so it really won't even be a – Michigan and Mizzou will likely be on the same tier at some point. And don't forget, Drinkwitz also said, like, uh, he, he, he brought up Jim Harbaugh's comments about being America's team – that's what um, it was, yeah. Yeah, and Drinkwitz was like, we're America's team, bunch of blue-collar, under-the-radar, underdogs performing at the highest level, which I did kind of agree with that. I, I could never see, like, Michigan being America's team. I know they went through so much. There's so much more history there. It's like, I, I guess when you say America's team in football, it is the Cowboys, so maybe that's where it kind of goes to, a team with a lot of history and expe- expectations of winning. That's all I Yeah, know. I just don't think it should have been Michigan. But moving on, we're going right back to Rick Pitino. He's my main bird of the week. Um, if you need uh, the connection to a bird, you can figure it out yourself. Um, Rick Pitino was, boy, he was lighting up the, the comments uh, after St. John's loss um, to Seton Hall. Earlier in the year, I think he said, like, I want to kill myself, basically, after after a loss. But... I mean, this past Sunday was insane. I mean, he was just lighting his players up. I mean, he was saying they were not athletic enough to even guard. It was the least enjoyable experience of his life. Uh, then yesterday, he, like, totally was like, I didn't mean any of it, like, when they when they beat Georgetown. But one of the comments that came out of Sunday was very interesting. Well, this is from Jaden Daly, Daily Dose of Hoops on, on X, formerly known as Twitter. He said, Patino, quote, it's not the job. You could be at Missouri and recruit slow players. Believe me, it's not St. John's. We had to put together a team at the last second. We will never, ever do that again. So don't take that as a shot at Missouri, by the way. He's saying, like, you could be anywhere and recruit poorly. Like, he's not just saying, he's not throwing Missouri under the bus. But the reason it's so interesting that Missouri is brought up is because Kenny and I know, like, Trust, 
like we had a very very just say it i mean at this point it's been a year Choi just randomly brought up when we were having lunch with him one time because he was on our show way back when moon Choi, the chancellor of mizzou said hey that was a great show i really enjoyed it uh lunch on me one day we wound up getting lunch with him one day and we were talking we were talking ball with moon Choi. i mean that's what it was we were just we were talking about Bronny james and he just like randomly brought up like it was literally i think he said like that coach at iona is really good right and this was during Conzo's last year like when everybody knew like he had even said like yeah tough year for the basketball team like it was over at that point for Conzo. but we just like he said that thing about rick patino at iona i mean everyone at that table like had to like hide their like excitement like so we really thought and we're really convinced Mizzou at least talked to Rick Pitino. And that's why I think this isn't just a random throwaway line for him. I think he was genuinely saying, like, I could have gone to Missouri and done the same thing. That is, uh, for those of people, for those, I mean, getting a little bit more context, I think it was like January, February mm-hmm. of 2022. So men's basketball team uh, just kept spiraling. I mean, it was, it was not a good season. I mean, it was actually better than this year. Uh, but it was it was Conzo's last year at the helm for the Tigers. Then uh, still keep, keeps popping up. Uh, we like to talk about Rick Pitino. Uh, let's say in college basketball though, Peyton uh, Jacks uh, Shawnee's main of the week goes to Creighton. Creighton beat UConn on Tuesday, eighty-five to sixty-six at home. Only thing I want to throw out there: I saw a funny meme, and this gets brought up a lot when a, a team of more of like the Caucasian players or Caucasian fan base uh, wins a game and they storm the court. And I saw a photo that said exciting whites and it's talking about white wines, but they said uh, Creighton fans this week. Uh, and I, I, I could see it. Uh, there was a lot of storm in the court against UConn. No easy nights in the big, in the big East. Uh, Dan Hurley, the UConn coach, like, cause people were starting to bring up the fact that they haven't won on the road against a ranked team since 2014. But in that time they've won two national titles. Dan Hurley tweeted a video, the UConn head coach, for those that don't know, a video of, like, I believe it's from Game of Thrones where, like, people are throwing garbage at someone that's being walked through, like, a town. They're yelling shame at him. And he photoshopped his own head, like, over the character that's having garbage thrown at him. Dan Hurley, you won a national title. I don't think you get to do this. But, yeah, UConn, I mean, they're a powerhouse again. This. Uh, College basketball, man. That's just what it is. Yeah. Um, LSU beats Kentucky on Wednesday. And before that game, Matt McMahon was going around campus handing out T-shirts to, to fans saying, you know, get to the PMAC tonight, get to this game. Uh, Matt McMahon hasn't had the most success in his first two years with LSU. But when you see a coach doing that the day bef- the day of the game, just walking around, doesn't it just feel like that's the game? That is the game that LSU is going to go balls to the wall and beat you. And that's what it feels like. You know, Creighton's, Creighton's definitely better than LSU. But, I mean, just the buildup for that midweek game against the number one team in the country, every, I mean, everything matters. Forget Saturday. You know, don't even think about what's going to happen next. It's now or never. And that's that's how it always feels like. These are, like, the most fun games. Everyone wants to, you know, watch basketball on Saturday. I think those Tuesday-Wednesday games are, like, my favorite because if it's, like, a number one team against a team that's capable of beating them, I'm taking the team that's capable of beating them. I, I love. I'm totally with you. I loved midweek games when we were 
on campus at Mizzou. It was so fun to just like in the middle of the week be like, all right, I'm done with homework. I've got class tomorrow. Time to go to a, a damn basketball game. But um, we had that similar thing like with uh, Auburn our junior year, uh, the last year of Tonzo. I mean, the student section was totally it packed the house. But the less said about the Columbia crowd, the better. But um, it was, yeah, no, I agree with that logic totally. And Matt McMahon, I think it is also worth noting, like he inherited a bag of garbage. Uh, Will Wade totally left that program like desolate, like just totally racked with cheating scandals um, and no players. But Matt McMahon, I'll give him props. I mean, he's done more in two years than I think a lot of people could have. After they won yesterday, he was going up to every single person with a phone that was trying to take a photo with them, he took a photo with them. It was he was going ballistic, um, and also the way LSU won was just paid in general. So good for the good for the Tigers. Um, but yeah, with so much like so many high expectations at LSU for all sports, it seems like men's basketball does kind of get the back burner in in some sense because I mean there just isn't that much history. Um, we could also mention he didn't retain Xavier Pinson uh, two years ago. <laughs> Uh, but it still feels like these LSU fans love Matt McMahon. He only has two road SEC wins in the last two years, but it seems like this team, these, this team just never quits. And I, I think that's something you just kind of keep your eye on as um, on LSU moving forward in the SEC. Uh, Peyton, what'd you learn this week? Best thing I learned this week. Um, yes. The best thing I learned this week is coming from Mizzou men's basketball. Uh, it's coming from Tamar Bates, if you can believe it. Um, this comes from a tweet from Cal Tobias Photo on X. He's a photojournalist for Rock M Nation. He's a Mizzou student. He got a shot of uh, Tamar Bates bending over to pick up the basketball, and you caught a glimpse of a tattoo he has on his arm, on his right arm. And here's the caption. Important. Tamar Bates has a tattoo on his right forearm of a pawn looking itself in the mirror, looking at itself in the mirror and seeing a king. And that's exactly what this is. It's a pawn looking in a mirror and seeing a king piece in chest. Kenny, this goes incredibly hard. Yeah, um, I did see a top comment, though, that says a pawn can never become a king. And that is true. That is true. But it is still really cool. I just, it's just such mm-hmm. great detail as well, like on the mirror with the lines through it, um, adding that effect. It's just overall a, a really cool um, uh, tattoo. And maybe we could get one. If uh, Mizzou wins the SEC tournament, Peyton, let's get it. Okay, let's make if, that deal now. Let's if Mizzou deal. wins the SEC tournament, I will gladly get that tattoo okay. on, my, on my... Okay, let's both do it. I'll get, get it on, on, our, on our inner thigh. It's one of the easiest places to the one of the easiest places. No one ever sees your inner thigh, high, mm-hmm. high inner thigh. We'll do that. Okay, we'll make that bet. Sure. We'll, uh, that we'll would be worth it if Mizzou won the SEC tournament. I would totally take that. That's the sure. only way I'd get a tattoo. But uh, right, uh, best thing I learned this week goes to the San Diego Padres for playing Natasha Bedingfield's unwritten. Uh, during uh, batting practice on Wednesday, that comes from Sammy Levitt on X. Man, uh, things come full circle. For those that don't know, I I brought this up on a Kentucky podcast not too long ago that Jack and I were on and talked about where did the name come from, Uh, the unwritten rule. Uh, The 2020 MLB season, which should have never happened, uh, will always stand on that hill. So will Peyton. Uh, 
during that season, the San Diego Padres were playing the Texas Rangers and Fernando Tatis Jr. was about to make his rise through Major League Baseball. And I mean, he already kind of did, but um, people are starting to get to learn his name a little bit better. Uh, he pimped a home run and the Texas Rangers were not very happy with him. Uh, it kind of started with the unwritten rule. We wanted to talk about unwritten rules of sports kind of faded away over time uh, and kind of just went forward with what we wanted to do. But our header was uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. For, for, for a couple months there. And this just kind of comes full circle. Natasha Bedingfield was also at the People's Choice Awards uh, a few week, a few days ago um, with Sydney Sweeney, and they uh, they they sang they sang unwritten. Oh, very nice. I didn't even know that part, but um, yeah, just weird full circle moment. Kenny, can you name the pitcher that uh, Fernando hit that home run off of? I uh, Rangers pitcher uh, was he a starter? No, he was a reliever. Oh, I think that's... this was his last year in the league. He pretty much retired after this moment. That is very hard. Um, I, I don't know. Juan Nicasio was the one that gave up that, that home run. <laughs> you know Juan Nicasio. Yeah, but I would have never guessed that. I thought this would be <laughs> no, some yeah. kind of connection to me. No, there's no connection there. It's just Juan Nicasio gave up that home run. Um, yeah, very cool full circle moment. Uh, Jack's best thing he learned this week, uh, it comes from EA Sports College, uh, the new NCAA 25 game. There's some people that were very concerned that there would be like no like group of five teams in this game because they weren't in any promotional material. Because, yes, like the Utah State Aggies are going to move a lot of units for EA. They're definitely going to put them all over the promotional material. EA Sports uh, dispelled that today. They tweeted um, from the EA Sports College account uh, that College Football 25 will feature all 134 FBS schools. That includes Army, Air Force, Navy, who I think were the only three that were kind of in doubt because they have like some sort of thing where like players can't take NIL traditionally. But all 134 are going to be in the game. It's going to be like the authentic experience. Also, they like unveiled the plan for like how they're going to get players in the game. Every player that wants in will get $600 and a copy of the game. You go through like the NIL app, like Compass or whatever it is. I remember Chris Abrams Drain said he would put his name in it for free. So I'm sure most players will do it. Um, Chris Benini had all this information, by the way. Chris Benini on Twitter. Uh, he said about 11,000 players are expected to be in the game, which I think averages out to about 85 a team. So um, good news there. I mean, this sounds like it's going to be a, the full-fledged thing. Like, it doesn't sound like any corners are being cut. Obviously, the gameplay and what's in the game will be certainly, like, some, the next concern for people. But as far as getting all the teams in and whatnot, they're all there. So it's good to go. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, also, one thing to throw out there, walk-ons won't be included. Uh, you have to be a scholarship player, which I, I mean, maybe down the line, they'll get into the nitty gritties of all those. There's just so many people that go into a college football team. It is extremely hard to even do that. Uh, I'm very excited, though. I've seen a lot of photos and videos of, you know, getting all the correct sounds, the correct game chants um, that teams and fan bases have, um, getting the mascots uh, up to speed as well with how they look and, and um, the places that they usually stand during the game. I, this is pretty incredible. Um, I mean, 11 years later, you finally get a new one. And I think everyone should be excited about this. And I feel good about the players. The players are getting paid um, to be in a video game. And just to see themselves in a video game has to be extremely 
cool because 98% of these guys will never see the pro football league. They will never see the NFL. So being in this video game probably means the world to them. And like you said, Chris Abrams during doing it for free, there's definitely a lot of other guys that would do the exact same thing. Uh, So this is very exciting. Um, Peyton, do you have a joke to close us out? No, can I? I'll let you off the hook today. All right. Well, uh, this one comes from our favorite TV series, the Today Show. Um, Kenny, once I read a a book about glue, I couldn't put it down. Got stuck. Yeah. um, Because your reading level is stuck at the fifth grade. It used to, when I was in uh, sixth grade, uh, they said I had a, uh, I believe it was 12th grade reading level. I don't think I've progressed past that. I think it's still high watching a movie the other day and there was a line that said the reading level for the average adult is fifth grade i, I don't believe that that is bizarre that's, if that's true that there's no um, but are you smarter than a fifth grader i never watched the show i think i was a little too young for it but maybe that's where it comes from no i'm not okay well thank you guys for uh checking in with us today uh recaps everything mizzou from uh more stuff on drf football uh basketball closing out on the season here soon but thank you guys for checking in with us and have a great weekend and as always we're brought to you by bet on the line